You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Islanders Award Winners a monthly podcast examining seasons in which a New York Islander took home a major NHL award. I'm your host, Dan Saracini. In our season one finale, we'll circle back to Dennis Potvin, who was named the NHL's best defenseman for the first time in just his third year in the league. Lighthouse Hockey is SB Nation's home for New York Islanders news and discussion. You can subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching Lighthouse Hockey in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or any podcasting app of your choice. Or you can listen right from our website at www.lighthousehockey.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you can, as it really does help raise our profile. And as always, thank you for listening. And now, on to Dennis Potvin, Norris Trophy, 1976. In my first year, I have to admit I thought about points in being Rookie of the Year. And I guess my ideals would be a little different if I was with a last place club now. But now the personal goals are secondary. Islanders defenseman Dennis Potvin, 1976. 1975 was a quantum leap year for the New York Islanders. The once hapless expansion team making the playoffs was just the tip of the iceberg. The third year club also performed not one, not two, but three miracles during that magical sprint. They stunned their venerable rivals, the New York Rangers, in the opening round on J.P. Parisi's overtime goal, setting a historical precedent that continues to this day. In the quarterfinals versus the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Islanders became just the second team in NHL history and first in over 30 years to come back from a three-games-to-none deficit to win a series. And they damn near did the trick again in the semifinals against the defending Stanley Cup champion Philadelphia Flyers. The Islanders lost the first three games, 
then rallied to win three straight and force a Game 7. Checked by West Ball, goes on by. Stopped by Marshall. Clark gets it loose. Leach backhands it in. The game is over. The New York Islanders, the incredible Cinderella New York Islanders, have forced a seventh and deciding game in their semifinal series at the Spectrum in Philadelphia on Tuesday night by defeating the world champion Philadelphia Flyers 2-1 here this afternoon at the Nassau County Coliseum. Another remarkable performance, a come-from-behind performance. The Flyers scored first. Lonsbury at 142 in the first period. Dennis Putman tied it up on a power play in the second. And unheralded Jerry Hart scored unassisted at 342 in the third. And the Islanders made it stand up. Their run would end in Game 7, but notice had been served around the NHL that the Islanders weren't pushovers anymore, and the burly kid wearing number 5 in that weird round helmet was one of the very best in the league at what he did. Sophomore defenseman Dennis Potvin had led the team in regular season scoring for the second year in a row, and had 14 points in 17 playoff games, double what every other Islanders defender had. Even after their remarkable Cinderella sprint, Potvin seemed to take the loss of the Flyers very hard. He felt the Islanders had put their Stanley Cup carrying cart before the horse, saying afterwards, quote, I think we had our damn minds on that plane ride to Buffalo. Then we went out there and let them control the game, end quote. He was 21 years old at the time. Potvin came in second in Norris Trophy voting in 1975 to eight-time winner Bobby Orr, the man to whom he was constantly being compared. The two were both named first-team All-Stars, and Potvin's nomination to the exclusive postseason club displaced Rangers defenseman Brad Park, who had publicly predicted Potvin's ascendance following the kid's rookie year. Training camp for, quote, the NHL's most exciting upstarts began at Racket and Rink in Farmingdale, New York, on September 14, 1975. It was the first year that the Islanders held camp on Long Island and not in the far-flung hamlet of Peterborough, Ontario a decision made based on financial concerns. But staying close to home didn't seem to bother any of the players. Dennis Potvin and his wife Debbie had spent the summer traveling, as well as taking in the beaches of Long Island, antiquing in Montauk and Southampton, and probably attending the weddings of Dennis's teammates. Clark Gillies, Bob Bourne, and Bob Nystrom all got married that summer. Their season started with a 1-1 tie at Kansas City on October 8th. After netting four assists in his first three games, Potvin scored his first goal of the season in Game 4 against Ken Dryden and the Montreal Canadiens on October 14th. The Islanders won 5-3, and Habs superstar Guy Lafleur said afterwards, quote, Give them credit. They're good. The next stretch of games would emphasize the Flowers' point. Over a seven-game run, the Islanders lost only once, and Potvin absolutely exploded offensively, tallying eight goals and 12 assists. He had two goals and two assists in a 5-5 tie with the Canucks before scoring a goal in a 3-0 revenge win against the Flyers two nights later. In his next game, Poffin had another two goals and two assists in a 7-1 drubbing of the Rangers. The icing on that cake was that Dennis's brother and fellow Islanders defenseman Jean Potvin had a pair of goals of his own in that game. Despite the brothers dominating the score sheet, Dennis was quick to heap praise upon all of his teammates, saying after the game, quote, everyone is carrying everyone else. After netting a goal and two assists in a tie with the Habs, he had just a single assist and a win over the Capitals. In between those games, he celebrated his 22nd birthday. Potvin then collected seven points, 
two goals and five assists in two games against the Golden Seals and Penguins. Around this time, and possibly spurred by their ass-kicking at the hands of the Islanders two weeks earlier, the Rangers swung a huge trade with the Bruins, sending Brad Park, Jean Rattel, and Joe Zanuzzi to Boston for five-time Art Ross Trophy winner Phil Esposito and Carol Vadnick. The deal was the talk of the NHL, but the Islanders seemed to take a philosophical view of it. GM Bill Torrey and others weren't sure who made out better, although Torrey did quip, quote, I could have gotten Esposito if I was willing to give up one of my best players, like Dennis Potvin. A week into November 1975, the Islanders sported a very good 8-2-4 record thanks to two five-game unbeaten streaks. They then experienced their first losing streak of the season, dropping four in a row and tying once. They allowed 18 goals over the five games, an anomaly for a team that considered itself a defense-first unit. After a loss in Vancouver, in which he had one of two assists during the slump, Potvan lamented, quote, We're playing do-it-yourself hockey. Maybe it's because we've been scoring and now everybody is thinking about scoring points. We're going to have to go home and start all over again. They snapped their slump with a 5-2 win against Kansas City, but the price was a high one. Podvan hurt his ankle when he collided with two scouts players as he was exiting the penalty box. He took a few more shifts, but the ankle finally gave out from under him as he made a turn out of the corner. He was helped off the ice by trainers and was immediately diagnosed with a sprain. Pavan described the injury as, quote, I was turning around, and I just felt it pop. At the time, he was leading both the Islanders and all NHL defensemen with 27 points on 9 goals and 18 assists. The injury kept Potvan out of the lineup for just two games. Around the same time, up in Boston, another, more serious injury would alter the NHL forever. On November 29, 1975, Bruins star Bobby Orr underwent knee surgery for the fifth time in his career. Although doctors initially said that he would only miss a few weeks, the three-time Hart Trophy winner and reigning eight-time Norris Trophy winner ended up sitting out the rest of the season. He would never play for the Bruins again. But more immediately, Orr's absence and steep decline would shift the entire hierarchy among NHL defensemen. Dennis Potvan returned to the Islanders lineup in an 8-2 win over the Blues and picked up right where he left off, netting a goal and three assists. He had one assist each in the next four games, which were split at two wins and two losses, then had two assists in a 6-0 victory over Minnesota. After a rare pointless game against the Flames, Potvin erupted again for four goals in two games, scoring twice in a 5-3 win in Toronto, then twice again in a 3-0 win over Phil Esposito and the Rangers at Madison Square Garden in their next game. Now, after their shocking playoff victory the previous spring, the Old Garden wasn't the house of horrors for the Islanders that it had been during the team's first couple of seasons. Potvan, who scored goals 13 and 14 of the season in the win, said afterwards, quote, We used to be so scared to come into this building. The Rangers were so tough to beat then. We were scared of making a mistake. But then the playoffs cured all that. We knew we had to win here, and we did. That helped us establish ourselves and give us the confidence we needed. In just their fourth season, the Islanders were seemingly the most stable team in New York. The days of being this weird, woeful expansion team located in a place most of North America had never heard of were over. The new guys were giving the old guard teams like the Yankees, Knicks, Giants, and Rangers a run for their money. Newsday's Joe Gergen made the Islanders' case in a December 1975 column, writing, quote, Look around. 
the Jets have sacked their coach and find their quarterback. And the Giants, in a never-ending quest for mediocrity, are preparing a clearance sale of veterans. The Mets and Yankees have sought stimulation in blockbuster trades, while the Rangers remain puzzled by their new pieces. The Knicks have attempted to buy respectability, and the Nets, undeniably talented, have a firm foothold in a league that threatens collapse. End quote. The Knicks trying to buy respectability? Get out of here. And leading the way for the Isles was Dennis Potvin. A goal in a 7-1 beatdown of the Blues was his fifth in his last five games. One night later, he would have a goal and an assist in a 5-2 loss in Chicago. Potvin finished that game with a minus four, as the Islanders allowed the Blackhawks to score all five of their goals in the third period. As always, he was brutally honest in his assessment of the game. Quote, I think we were tired. I know I was. I think we came out for that last period and just hoped it would be over real soon. The beginning of January 1976 was a slow one for both the Islanders and their number one defenseman. In the first two weeks, the team had one win, one tie, and two losses that both included blown third-period leads, which left Potfan concerned. Quote, We've been working so hard on trying to finish up a game good so that it would carry over and we could start off the next game good. Instead, we're finishing the games up bad and starting the next one just as bad. End quote. Potvin picked up assists in three straight games, but it wasn't enough. There might have been other things on their mind at the time, though. The Soviet wings and the Central Red Army, two of Russia's top hockey teams, were spending three weeks in the U.S. visiting and playing friendlies against NHL clubs. One of the stops was at Nassau Coliseum on January 10, 1976. In a battle of teams that prided themselves on defense, the Wings came out on top of the Islanders 2-1. It was considered by spectators to be one of the better matchups during the tour, but the Wings felt they knew what to expect. Coach Boris Kuligan, who Sports Illustrated's Mark Mulvoy called, quote, the original Russian Lombardi, said after the game that he thought his club was well-prepared to play the grinding low-event Isles. Potvan was on the ice for the Wings' shorthanded first goal, but got an assist on rookie Brian Trottier's game-tying goal, both in the second period. Despite the loss, the hosts seemed to think it was a well-played game and felt they were returning to their peak form. After a 1-0 shutout of Detroit and a 2-2 tie with Atlanta, the Islanders were in for another break, this time for the All-Star game. Islanders Potvan, Billy Harris, and rookie goalie Glenn Chico Resch were the official selections based on voting, and Trottier was added to the game by Campbell Conference coach Fred Shiro. The Wales Conference won 7-5, despite the Campbell Conference's furious Islanders-led comeback in the third period. Potvin had a goal and an assist, his third straight All-Star game with a goal, and Trottier and Harris each had two assists. But they weren't enough to overcome the scoring punch of the Wales Conference, which scored three goals on Resch in the first period, and four on Flyers goalie Wayne Stevenson in the second. Back to their NHL schedule. The Islanders had three games in four nights. They won them all, and Dennis Potvin was the star, collecting a ridiculous 10 points in that span. He was stuck at 16 goals for a full month, but he made up for lost time in a big way, netting two goals and two assists in a 5-2 win over the Capitals, which extended Washington's 25-game winless streak. The next night, Potvin had another two goals and two assists in an 8-1 beatdown of Detroit. Two of those assists were on the first and third goals of Jean Potvin's hat trick then. The outburst made the Potvans the first defenseman brother pair to combine for five goals in a game in NHL history. Two nights later, Dennis had a goal and an assist in a 5-0 shutout of Los Angeles. 
Those wins were part of a 10-game unbeaten streak that would carry from the middle of January to the beginning of February. Podvan would collect six more points over the next five games, culminating in a one-goal, two-assist performance in a 6-5 win on the road against the Rangers. The goal, his 22nd of the season, was the first of four scored by the Islanders in the third period of the comeback victory. That stirring, satisfying win would be the end of the streak, though, and the comedown would be hard. The Islanders dropped their next three and tied two after that for a five-game slump. The puck just didn't go their way in a 4-3 loss in Detroit, but they were battered and pushed around and some jamoke in the upper deck of the spectrum was hanging a sign reading, quote, the Islanders are all washed up in a 4-3 loss two nights later in Philadelphia. Another blown third-period lead in Vancouver sounded alarm bells. The Islanders stopped the bleeding for the time being with a tie against the Spunky Scouts, courtesy of a third-period power play goal by Dennis Potvin. But the nadir of the slump came in their next game. It was another tie, 4-4 with the Penguins on Valentine's Day at the Coliseum. And Dennis Potvin, the Islanders' best defenseman and a three-time All-Star, was benched for the entire third period by coach Al Arbor, who had seen enough of the, quote, critical mistakes his big guns had been making. A failed clearing attempt by Potvin and his partner Jerry Hart led directly to a goal by Pittsburgh's Jean Pronovo less than four minutes into the game. The benching was the first of Potvin's career, and he took it with reflective acceptance. Quote, I've been trying, but I find myself taking the games home with me now. I work hard in practice. I've never worked harder. When things are going good, you never have to think about what you're doing. You just do it. You put on your equipment and go out and play. This thing has us all down right now. End quote. When we come back, Dennis Potvan and the Islanders get power hungry. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Islanders snapped their slump with a 3-1 win over the Sabres on February 15th. After earning an assist and a loss to the Rangers, Dennis Potvin scored the game-winning power play goal in a 5-3 victory in Detroit. It was the Islanders' 74th man advantage goal of the season, having averaged more than one power play goal per game. 12 of Potvin's 24 goals at that point had been scored on the power play. Goalies around the league certainly knew how dangerous the unit was. Detroit's Jim Rutherford said he'd, quote, rather face a penalty shot than the Islanders' power play. But there was one Islander who drew the most attention at 5-on-4, Dennis Potvin. Capitals coach Tom McVie called him, quote, a super power play quarterback. Rutherford noted of Potvin, quote, he has that knack of moving at the right time. Only the good ones can do that. 
I'd say he's the real key. He makes the Islanders' power play go. And Rangers star Roger Bear agreed, saying, quote, They have good movement. Dennis Potvan runs it. You need someone to direct traffic, and he's the guy. In a 7-2 win over Minnesota on February 24th, Potvan had five points, including two more power play goals. The first, his 25th goal of the season, came less than a minute into the game. The five points gave him 76 on the season, tying his own team record for points in a single campaign with 19 games to go. He wasted little time in breaking his mark, netting assists in the next two games against the Scouts and Blackhawks. After a scoreless pair of games, he had two more assists, both on the power play, in a 6-3 double up over the Capitals. Goals and assists and records are nice, but they don't mean Dennis Potvan was perfect. A five-game goalless streak, plus a couple of critical mistakes in recent games, had induced some jeers to rain down on him from the Nassau Coliseum crowds and affected his confidence. During a game in Pittsburgh, after being on the ice for a goal against and getting assessed a two-minute misconduct penalty while the Islanders already had two men in the box, Potvan had had enough. He collected the game-winning power play goal and had two assists, helping the Islanders come from behind to win the game 5-3. How could a guy having the best season in team history and leading all other players at his position in points possibly lose confidence? Quote, I was hesitating too much and not moving the puck. End quote. Al Arbor said after the game that Potvan, quote, looked like the old Dennis. End quote. It was the Islanders' first regular season victory in Pittsburgh in their four-year history. Racking up points also didn't stop Potvan from delivering his other signature trademark, thundering body checks. During the first period of a 4-0 victory over the Blues on March 10th, Potvan hit St. Louis winger Floyd Thompson into the Nassau Coliseum glass partition, causing a concussion. Islanders trainer Ron Waskey attended to Thompson and found him choking on his own tongue. Waskey then used forceps to roll Thompson's tongue back and open his airway. So if you can, please take a moment to thank your friendly neighborhood hockey trainers. That win was the ninth game of the Islanders' latest unbeaten streak. It would reach 11 after a tie against the Leafs and a win against Chicago. But the streak would end in the 12th game, a 3-1 loss to Minnesota. The Islanders were furious at referee Dave Newell and thought he cost them the game by calling 18 penalties against them versus 8 for the North Stars. The most enraging was a five-minute major issued to Trottier for charging. The Islanders killed the entire penalty, with Potvan playing all but 44 seconds of the major. They got back into the win column with a 4-2 victory over Chicago four days later on March 20th. It was also a return to form for Dennis Potvin, who scored his 28th goal of the season. To that point in NHL history, only Bobby Orr, who had had five 30-goal campaigns, had ever scored more goals in a season. And with eight games remaining on the schedule, Potvin was confident he could close in on Orr's number, saying after the Blackhawks game, quote, I think I'll get a few more before the season ends. He didn't wait long to get number 29, scoring in the next game on the road in Vancouver, where they lost 5-2 to the Canucks. After a loss, a tie, and a win to close out a Western road trip, the Islanders scored two more power play goals in a 5-1 win over the Flyers to give them 91 on the season, one less than the league record. The second of those was Potvan's 30th goal of the season, and it brought out the emotional side of the all-star defenseman. After slapping an Ed Westfall rebound past Philly goalie Wayne Stevenson, 
Potvin raced to the net to retrieve the puck. He was serenaded with a standing ovation from the Nassau Coliseum crowd for becoming only the second defenseman in NHL history to hit the 30-goal mark. The moment was so overwhelming that Potvin had to let it out on the Islanders' bench. Quote, I haven't cried in a long time, but when I heard the crowd's reaction, well, I cried a little, end quote. After the game, he continued, quote, In any team I've played for, I've never been a big crowd favorite. I'm a top player, and the people take me for granted. I'm not expected to do any wrong. It's an honor in a way. I'm not an exciting type player. I don't have that great speed. My most effective plays are off the pass. But I try to think like I'm the best. You have to. My worst performances are when I lack confidence. He had assists in a loss to the Rangers and a tie with the Flames. The Islanders' final home game of the season was also against the Rangers, and it was another big one for Potvin. In a 10-2 victory, which included a team-record six-goal outburst in the opening period, he scored his 31st goal of the season, collected four assists, and finished with a plus eight. Here are Bob Lawrence and John Sterling on WMCA 570 AM radio. The Islanders then made it 9-2 on Denny Potvin's goal, his 31st of the season on the assist from Bryant Trottier. Here's how it happened. By Denny Potvin. Boy, a lot of open ice here, huh? Denny Potvin skates up the middle. No one checking it. Denny Potvin alone on the solo up to the left side. Chipped and knocked down. No penalty call. Loose in back of the case. Picked up by Denny. The shot. the score sheet. Denny Potvin had four points tonight, a goal and three assists, and he is now up to 97 points, and he has an outside chance at uh, 100 uh, points, and the only other defenseman, of course, to get that was Orr. And Atlanta gives up goals uh, a lot stingier than uh, the Rangers do, but he has chance anyway. He went scoreless in the Islanders' 5-2 loss to Atlanta in their season finale, but Dennis Potvin's final stat line for the season was packed with career highs in every meaningful offensive statistic. For the third straight season, he led the Islanders in scoring, this time with 98 points, a franchise record. Also for the third straight season, he increased his point totals by 22 over the season before. His 67 assists were also tops on the team, and his 31 goals were second, only one behind Trottier's 32. Potvin finished 11th in the NHL in scoring, and led all NHL defensemen in both goals and points. Second in points that year was Jean Potvin who had 72 points on 17 goals and 55 assists of his own. The Potvin boys' 170 combined points was one shy of the NHL record for combined points in a season by a pair of brothers. Bobby and Dennis Hull had combined for 171 points for the Blackhawks in 1969. The regular season was by all measures an enormous success for the Islanders. In their fourth season of existence and third under coach Al Arbor, They finished with a record of 42, 21, and 17, and reached 100 points for the first time. Their 101 points placed them fifth overall in the NHL, and was almost twice their total of 56 points from two seasons earlier. The Islanders' final tally of power play goals was 92, leading the league and matching Montreal's NHL record sent a season before. Quarterback Dennis Potvin led the Islanders with 18 power play goals. A loss to Atlanta in their season finale meant the Islanders would face the Vancouver Canucks in the best-of-three preliminary round of the playoffs. Vancouver finished with only 81 points, 
but the Islanders weren't taking the Canucks lightly. They had had trouble beating Vancouver all season and knew they were in for a tough checking team with good goaltending. Jean Potvat said he was, quote, terrified of Vancouver, and fellow defenseman Burt Marshall felt the Islanders were, quote, still a mentally immature team. Until we overcome that shortcoming, it's tough for us to come up with consistently good efforts. The Islanders put up a good effort in Game 1, winning 5-3 at the Coliseum. Dennis Potvan finished with two assists, including this one on a Jerry Hart goal. After the game, Podvan was worried about jet lag following a flight across the continent to Game 2 at Pacific Coliseum. Turns out, he didn't have to be. The Islanders showed no signs of fatigue as they beat the Canucks 3-1, closing out the series in two games. Potvan had an assist on J.P. Parisi's first goal of the game. That set up a series between the Islanders and Buffalo Sabres, who finished four points ahead of the Islanders and were the previous season's Stanley Cup finalists. The Sabres were a dynamic offensive team, led by the fabled French connection line of Gilbert Perrault, René Robert, and Rick Martin, and also featured a host of valuable depth players. In goal for Buffalo would be Jerry Desjardins, an expansion Islander who left to join the WHA, then came back to the NHL and was traded to the Sabres in February of 1975. Former creasemate Billy Smith was not a fan of Desjardins and wasn't impressed by his run to the Cup Final with the Sabres the season before, saying, quote, As a goaltender, he didn't show too much in last year's playoff. He quit one game saying he was injured, but I don't know about that. End quote. On their end, the Sabres had one guy in mind. Dennis Potvin. The plan was to shut down the Islanders' number one defenseman, thereby shutting down the entire team. Winger Craig Ramsey said, quote, I guess it's no secret that you have to keep Potvin tied up. You first try to keep the puck away from him, and when he has the puck, you have to rush him quickly. Don't give him time to play with it. Otherwise, he's going to be at you. End quote. Danny Gare and Sabres captain Jim Schoenfeld compared Potvin to a football player that needed to be contained. Schoenfeld told Newsday, quote, Potvin is a little like a broken field runner. You have to get him quick and don't let him break loose, end quote. Gare added, quote, if you let him carry the puck into your end, you're in trouble because once he hits the blue line, he's tough to stop. You can't tackle him. That's not allowed, end quote. Thanks, Danny. In games one and two, both played at the odd in Buffalo, Potvin was kept mostly in check. After being held to a lone assist in a 5-3 loss in game one, Potvin admitted that the Sabres' blitzing worked, saying, quote, Their wingers pressured me. In center ice, both defensemen converged on me. A big part of my game is to get to the blue line and make a play, but they were rushing me. End quote. In Game 2, Potvin scored his first goal of the playoffs and had an assist on J.P. Parisi's goal that tied the game with 65 seconds remaining. But it was Gare in overtime who gave the Sabres a 2-0 series lead. Back on Long Island for Game 3, the Islanders got back into the series with a 5-3 win thanks to two third-period goals scored 35 seconds apart. Game 4 was the Dennis Potvan show. 
defenseman scored twice in a 4-2 Islanders win that evened the series at two. Potvin said afterwards, quote, the momentum has tilted to our side now, end quote. Before the game, Buffalo coach Floyd Smith had told the Nassau Coliseum Zamboni driver that the building wouldn't be needing any more ice after that night. Now, the home team had guaranteed a return engagement for Game 6. Game 5 ended in a 4-3 Islanders win, their third straight in the series. Potvin, who already had an assist, tied the score at 3 with 4.5 minutes to play with a quick shot from the slot. Low-scoring defenseman Burt Marshall scored the game winner with 19 seconds left. With four goals and eight assists in seven games for 11 points, Dennis Potvin was the leading scorer in the NHL playoffs. The Sabres' plan of shutting him down didn't quite work out once Potvin, by his own admission, stopped trying to just move the puck and started moving his feet. Eventually, he started fully taking over games again, and some Sabres complained that Potvin was taking liberties like hitting them with his stick. His response was confident and to the point. Quote, I play a physical game, but I take as much as I give. Game 6 at the Coliseum was the Islanders at their finest, a grinding, punishing war of attrition that ended with a 3-2 score for the home squad. Ed Westfall's first goal of the playoffs came off a deflection of a Potvin shot. Once again, the Islanders had come back from a deep deficit to take a series, and the Sabres knew it was the right result. Jerry Desjardins called them, quote, aggressive and intimidating. And Danny Garris said, quote, they wanted it more than we did. More power to them. I hope they go all the way. And so for the second time in their four years of existence, the New York Islanders would play in the Stanley Cup semifinals. This time, they would face the league-leading Montreal Canadiens, who had 127 points in the regular season, 26 more than the Islanders, and allowed the least amount of goals per game. Montreal coach Scotty Bowman wasn't going to take the Islanders lightly. He had personally scouted them during the Buffalo series and had former Habs boss Toe Blake do the same. Bowman was complimentary, but also aware of what Al Arbor's crew was capable of. Quote, the Islanders don't make many mistakes. Maybe the only way to beat them is to let them win the first few games. The Islanders' game plan was to frustrate the Canadians. But in Game 1, it was the other way around. Despite building leads of 1-0 and 2-1, Montreal came back every time and walked away with a 3-2 win. Montreal took Game 2 by a score of 4-3, and once again, the Islanders found themselves in a serious hole. Potvin had collected three assists in the first two games to bring his playoff total to 16 points. But both he and his teammates simply couldn't gain any ground on the half. The Isles led 2-0 in Game 3 at the Coliseum, then coughed up three goals in the third period to lose 3-2. Potvin and center Ralph Stewart were burned by Montreal's Jim Roberts on his game-tying shorthanded goal. Roberts said that the Islanders' defenders had both let up on the play, allowing him to beat Chico Resch. Being down 3-0 to a powerful Montreal team posed a problem the young Islanders hadn't encountered yet. Potvin, who had yet to score a goal in the series, admitted that there was some uneasiness in their game and that coming back to win was going to be more difficult than it was against the Penguins the season before. Quote, We knew we could take advantage of Pittsburgh's defense eventually. That was their weakness. The Canadians? They don't seem to have a weakness. Through the first three games of the series, the Habs had held Dennis Potvin, who led all NHL defensemen in scoring through the regular season and led all players in scoring through the playoffs, to just four assists. That would all change in Game 4. 
Podfan had a goal and two assists in a 5-2 Islanders win, extending the series to at least one more game. Potvan and Jude Druan scored goals on Montreal's Ken Dryden 35 seconds apart, and Potvan assisted on Druan's second goal, which proved to be the game winner. For Potvan, the three points were almost secondary. He controlled the pace of play, deftly handled the puck all game long, and generally dominated. He delivered a body check so hard on Montreal's Doug Jarvis that it dislodged a pane of glass along the Coliseum's boards. He knocked down Bob Gainey with a score of 4-0 late in the second period to send a message that more pain was on the way. Columnist Joe Gergen wrote in Newsday after Game 4 that Potvan had, quote, jarred the Islanders back to life, and that, quote, no man on the Islanders skates faster, consistently shoots quicker, or consistently hits harder than Dennis Potvin. On a team which, by design, plays well within itself, his is a spirit struggling to break free. When he succeeds, the effect can be devastating. End quote. Dennis's brother Jean was more to the point, saying of the younger Potvan, quote, he feels the more he has the puck, the less the other team does. With a win finally under their belts, the Islanders were confident going into Game 5 at the Montreal Forum. Unfortunately, they once again couldn't overcome the Canadians and lost 5-2. Potvan came up empty following his dominant Game 4 and was a minus 3 but he was far from the only Islander to be kept off the board. While stifling tears, Potvan said after the Islanders were eliminated, quote, the series wasn't decided tonight. Well, it was, but I keep thinking back to those first two games here. We should have won one of those, and we never should have lost the third game at home. We couldn't come up with the big goal when we needed it. Although the Islanders had once again been to the NHL's Final Four, the general consensus even among some of the players and GM Bill Torrey, was that the team needed to goose its offense to take the next step. For his part, Podvan felt wholesale changes weren't necessary, telling Newsday's Tim Moriarty, quote, The utensils are in the kitchen. It's just a matter of how they're used, a matter of development. They couldn't break through to the Stanley Cup final, but the Islanders were a big winner at the 1976 NHL Awards. Trate took home the Calder Trophy as Rookie of the Year, and Dennis Potvan was named the winner of the Norris Trophy as the league's best defenseman. Potvan took over 52% of the votes, topping runner-up Brad Park, 237-96. It was the first time since 1968 that someone other than Bobby Orr had finished atop the defensive pecking order in the NHL. With his future in question both on the ice and in Boston, the door was open for other blue liners to grab the spotlight. And Dennis Potvin, at 22 years old, was the first player to step up and claim the vacant crown of best defenseman on the planet. Potvin also came in second in voting for the Hart Trophy as NHL MVP, but lost to Philadelphia's Bobby Clark, 246 votes to 45. Potvin took home a sweet $1,500 bonus for winning the Norris, and a slightly less sweet $750 as the runner-up in Hart voting. He and Park were also named first-team All-Star. If you want to remember Dennis Potvan at the top of the mountain and brimming with confidence going into his fourth year in the NHL, you can stop the episode here. But a few months after collecting his first Norris Trophy, Potvan ended up being one of the most unpopular players in hockey, including in his own dressing room. And the story behind why is a cautionary tale about maybe having a little too much confidence in yourself. 
Potvin and Chico Resch were among the 32 players invited to play for Team Canada at the 1976 Canada Cup International Tournament to be played that September. Team Canada had a few stumbles along the way, but it eventually beat Czechoslovakia in two straight games to win the tournament. Potvin's only goal of the event came in the first game of the final, a 6-0 win over the Czechs. The point behind his own net for Team Canada. Over for Potvin. Potvin ahead past Ganey all the way down the ice. Sittler moving in after it. And it is waved off any icing. Sittler gets after it behind the net now. Trying to find a man out in front. Here's Potvin. Shot. He scores! During his time at the tournament and in its preceding training camp, Potvin kept a daily diary for The Canadian, an insert publication for newspapers north of the border. The entries weren't published until late October, well after the Canada Cup had been won. When they were finally read, under the title The Candid Cup, the entries created a firestorm for Potvin, and his standing took a hit among NHLers, the public, and even his own teammates. The entry started out with Potvin extolling being surrounded by the best of the best and the growing camaraderie between the superstars. He genuinely seemed to enjoy the experience. But once the game started, so did his criticisms. Potvin said Team Canada struggled early because too many members were playing for themselves and not as a team. He lamented being booed in his hometown of Ottawa and vowed never to return, but griped with coach Scotty Bowman's decision to not start him for a game there when other players were in the opening lineups for games in their home ranks. And he divulged individual locker room blow-ups after a loss to Team USA. But most egregiously, he complained about a depleted Bobby Orr being named player of the game multiple times throughout the tournament. Potvin wrote of Orr after the first game against the Czechs, quote, I like Bobby. He's a great hockey player and a fine person but I don't think he was deserving of the award twice, and certainly not three times. Once, yes, he did deserve it once. It's not Bobby who does the voting, but the ones who do seem to be more influenced by a big name and a past reputation than what happens in a particular hockey game. I think it's political, and I think it's unjust. The question I'd like answered is this. Is Bobby Orr only going to have to play to be known as the best defenseman, or is he going to have to prove it? End quote. Who did Potvin think deserved those Player of the Game awards? Why, Dennis Potvin, of course. The shockwaves were quick and plentiful throughout the beginning of the next season. One Montreal columnist called Potvin an egomaniac and a crybaby. His name was booed in Montreal and Boston as he was announced as an Islanders starter. And in his own locker room, players were pissed, even without actually talking to him about it. Writing for Sports Illustrated, Peter Gammons reported that one anonymous Islander said, quote, we didn't like reading what Dennis had to say one bit. Nothing was said to him, but Dennis knew how we felt, end quote. Chico Resch was more direct, saying, quote, There was just no reason on earth to say those things. I was so mad at him, I could hardly talk to him. Everybody knew this was Orr's last chance in the spotlight, his last hurrah. Denny was going to have many more chances, end quote. 
Podman admitted that he could have mentioned other players that deserve player of the game honors as much if not more than him. But he stopped short of apologizing, saying, quote, listen, other guys I'm sure agreed with what I wrote. I'm sorry, but you can't go on being pro-everything all your life. It's not human nature, end quote. The venom directed at him from his fellow Islanders took Potvan by surprise and shook him. The guy who needed to play with confidence and had grown used to the booze became very distracted by all the pressure he had put on himself. For the first two and a half months of the 76-77 season, he clearly was not himself. In one game, Arbor actually played Dennis Potvan at left wing. Potvan addressed the controversy publicly in a long interview with the New York Post's Larry Brooks. The reigning Norris Trophy winner was extremely raw and admitted to being confused, bewildered, and depressed about the whole affair, and said he was struggling with the idea that his teammates didn't have the confidence or trust in him that they used to. Quote, Hockey's a head game, and there are so many things on my mind eating away at me. I don't seem to be able to play right now. It's gotten to the point where I've got to go in and speak to management because I can't go on like this any longer. End quote. About midway through the season, Potvan finally did something about his mental state. Feeling that no one was going to help him out of it but him, he made an air-clearing speech after practice that, according to Captain Ed Westfall, let everyone see inside of him and just what was going on, how torn up he was. End quote. Potvan called it one of the hardest things he ever had to do and admitted that he was afraid of it possibly making the situation worse. But the accountability and honesty healed many of the wounds. Both Al Arbor and Chico Resch said the meeting helped bring the Islanders together as a team. Dennis Potvan's Norris Trophy defense didn't get off to the best start, but the Islanders powered their way through a season full of internal strife to finish with 106 points. They once again made it to the Stanley Cup semifinals and once again lost to the Montreal Canadiens. Potvin still led the team in scoring with only 80 points and would finish third in voting for the Norris Trophy at the end of the 76-77 season. He would later have two more Norris wins that we'll talk about next season. Dennis Potvin's first Norris Trophy win in 1976 established him as the NHL's best defenseman and established the Islanders as a major player in the NHL. With him leading the rush, quarterbacking the power play, laying huge hits, and generally doing everything, the club would continue its rise to greatness. His boldness wasn't only limited to the ice. Potvan needed to play with an edge to bring out his best. You might get cut along the way, but you'd have to admit that you were cut by the best. This episode ends our first season of Islanders Award winners. I hope it's been as much fun to follow along as it has been to produce. We will be back next season, and we'll start by revisiting this same 1976 season. Only next time, we'll be looking at it from the perspective of Calder Trophy winner Brian Trottier. Hope to see you then. Islanders Award Winners is written, produced, and edited by Dan Saracino. Research and other assistance provided by Kevin Schultz. You can read more about Long Island hockey history at Kevin's project lihockeyhistory.com or at its Twitter account at lihockeyhistory. You can also visit Kevin's shop at VintageIceHockey.com, where you can buy t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring logos of over 100 classic hockey teams. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE15 to save 15% off your order and donate a portion of the sale to the Center for Dementia Research in the name of Coach Al Arden. Check out LighthouseHockey.com every day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. 
and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.